welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. So last week, Stuart, you slipped into the conversation that you're uh, in the process or very early stage of looking at selling one of your rental properties as a, a flat that you've had for quite a while. Yeah. I hope we can sort of expand a bit more on, on that generally uh, in this episode. But first of all, it raised a question that I didn't get a chance to ask last week, which was, are you going to be selling this tenanted or are you planning to do uh, preemptively evict your tenant from it? Or Because it, it does have a tenant in at the moment, doesn't it? I am right in that, first of all, I suppose. <laughs> there was a tenant, but... Um... The, the tenant went MIA um, during the COVID outbreak. So, and and they actually left the property. It, I thought they just stopped responding to you, but they, no, they actually disappeared. No, they? Yeah, I went to visit the property. The property was because the letting agent popped around, but letting agent I said the curtains were closed. That's as far as they got. So, I went a step further, knocked on the door, and walked through the door with the keys, as as the letting agent could have done. But to be fair to the tenant, they left the flat in a very good condition. It was tidy. It was clean. I think, unfortunately for them, they just got a bit fearful, didn't really know how to to deal with the situation and left. They were, uh, I believe, over from Italy, something like that. And um, yeah, left the property. But like I say, uh, they left it in a good condition. So I kind of thought, that would take advantage of the flat being empty to to sell it to uh, to put it on the market and just see what what the market was like as we mentioned last week it feels like there is a lot of pent-up demand happening there is market for it so we're hopeful and the reason we're putting that on the market is because my wife and I would like to buy we're currently in rented which is uh, people always find quite ironic <laughs> <laughs> Although I think I think you do rent a small castle, don't you? Uh, I think we established previously. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think we ever said that. I don't remember talking about. You're the one that likes moats, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it was down to uh, down to the size of of your your living room. I think we concluded, or I concluded, that it, it must be a small castle based on uh, based on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's not. It's a, it's a nice house, but um, but uh, yeah, we'd like to to purchase at some point so we were just working that out and really just seeing if we can pull together some funds and this will be part of it and as anyone that's had a property for any period of time you know we've we have you know released capital from it over the years it's helped us buy our first sort of property together and so on and so forth and because it's in Kingston and Kingston upon Thames it's it's increased quite a lot since my wife my wife originally purchased it in 2003 but it's mm -hmm. It's probably worth you know two and a half times what well, it is two and a half times what it was purchased for. So what what sort of loan to value have you currently got on that? It will be around between seventy and seventy five. So, so a good good chunk of equity there, and presumably you'll have some capital gains to pay on that as well. Have you yes. uh, have you worked out all those those numbers and things? Not no, I've in, instructed the accountant to do that, but um, I think given the sort of time of the year and everything that they've been working on, they haven't had time to get to it. But then I had an epiphany and remembered that I'd extended the lease just about a year and a half ago, and that was cost the tidy sum of around twenty odd thousand pounds. Ouch! 
yeah, so it was very painful at the time. But now I'm thinking, oh, that, that could help reduce the uh, the CGT liability. Mm, so um, lease extension is a, um, a sort of capital investment into a property that can be uh, taken off against uh, or taken off as an expense against capital gains, is it? Well, that's my hope. I don't, I don't know. So <laughs> I will update. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, because I'm not sure on the uh, the rules around capital gains tax. I know you can uh, sort of uh, refurbishment investments and things like that that you you put into a a property. They can um, be taken off against or, or taken as an expense when calculating the, the capital gains. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether whether lease extensions do as well. Because I, I just don't know either way. Yeah, so and that's that's why I need to give the information to the accountant to to see see where we get to. Now, hopefully, even if not the full amount, you know, some of the legal costs and you know, around that might be able to be offset. So we'll find out. So that answers the the question about how you're going to deal with selling it tenanted or not. Um, presumably, that means you're you're not putting it back on the the rental market at the moment until you. Uh, decide how the the potential sale goes yeah well there's kind of two options on that the the short answer is no we're not going to do that however on the flip project that we're doing in Croydon which now I've mentioned it we'll come and talk about it (laughs) shortly I'm sure but what we've done on that one is is actually advertise that to rent but for a three-month period even though we're going to sell it so even though it will be going on the market to be sold we are renting that obviously overtly as a as a a short-term let and in fact we put it on the market last week and, and and that's rented this week for around what what we wanted so no is the short answer but I think what we want to see is just how how quickly we get interested in the in the flat the studio flat is a I've mentioned it on the podcast before but it's a, it's a great little flat it's you know it's um very close to Kingston train station it's you know so you you're 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 um you know very quick transport links into London via uh, train, uh, bus into Richmond. Also, Wimbledon's very close, so it's a great. And it's also mm. a ten-minute, well, it's not even ten-minute, five-minute walk to the Thames, which which we visited again as a family recently from the flat. And it's, so it's a great flat. So my hope is, our hope is that it will it will settle fairly quickly. But if in the next couple of weeks it doesn't sort of garner the level of interest that we want, then I'll look at potentially, potentially getting someone in even for a few months just to cover the the mortgage costs, which weren't being covered, as I said, because the tenant um, has disappeared. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so how did your conversations with agents go? And I think you mentioned in particular you had uh, an interesting conversation with Purple Bricks as well. Uh, how, well was, uh, how was that experience? Well, I, th- I think not so much interesting conversation, but I think I, I learned more, as, as we do when we're engaging all of these things. I think the thing that... I always take from engagements with any any sort of supplier that's going to provide us with a service is how much they want the business. The first thing that I didn't realize that until until I researched it is that you your the fees that you pay on purple bricks are paid up front and are then for the lifetime. So on the on the face of it purple bricks well, and is financially a very good option. So, just to put it into context, if I look at uh, so so the so the agent that has rented the property for the first for, sorry for the last seventeen years, they wanted a flat fee of five thousand pounds plus VAT, 
that equated to about two and a half percent, about 2.7 percent of the property sale, to which my response was, OK, but that's great. But we've we've had the property with you for 17 years. I'm sure you've made a little bit of money in that time. Would there be any movement? And the, the answer was no. So so I guess <laughs> so we've moved on. Then I looked at purple bricks and the purple bricks fee is 1500 pounds for London, central London. It's I think it's uh, about 800, 900 pounds for, for outside of London. And as a percentage of the uh, target sale price worked out about 0.6. So that's really, really good. So really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and what it got me thinking about is just how much of this we give away because of the the, the relative price difference between the you know the selling fee versus the, the 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 sales figure of the properties is so big that sometimes we we don't consider it. But at this point in time, every pound counts to to us, as I'm sure it does everyone. But I think I'm giving it more you know, more um, attention. And so, so that was quite good versus let's say if we've got 1.5 percent, then then that fee is around about I can't do the figures in my head, but it's around about, let's say, four thousand pounds. So with a with a purple bricks fee of uh, fifteen hundred, yeah, we, we, we could be saving around two thousand pounds, which which is significant amount of money. Would that be for a, um, a full estate agency service, as in they take photos, floor plans, market it? do viewings etc cetera, etc cetera. or is it is it a, a limited service in any way pretty much all of that except the viewings so the viewings is like an extra 400 pounds okay so i mean even that's not that much even with that on i think it was still coming at 0.7 percent. so in terms of price alone purple bricks is looking like a very good option my model in life as, as you probably know is that i try and um, leverage as little leverage money as much as possible that means the outlay is zero so where purple bricks failed in the end was the first part was that they probably didn't follow up quick enough if they had followed up a little bit quicker i think the property would be on with purple bricks now and 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 again the, the person i dealt with just to be really clear was very professional really good I think what's happening, and it kind of alludes to our conversation last week as well as today, is that I think it's a very busy time now for a state agent. So, so, so maybe that's that's part of it. But yeah, where where we got to and where I got to was okay. We would save potentially around two thousand pounds, but the, I think the big point for, for Purple Bricks is that you pay that fifteen hundred pounds, and then that's paid. And that does last for the lifetime of the property, which I think is a really good thing. But this really goes on to our conversation of last week and of your sort of mindset around, you know, when you want funds in account is that for me, it was like, well, what happens if, you know, the market does drop off quicker and, and let's say we don't sell it in a month or two months and then we go into a, a more of a tougher period of time, then actually I've spent £1,600 plus probably more for viewings and now I don't I don't have anything sh- to show for it. And, you know, with my business model, every pound counts because you know, I'm doing other refurbs and everything else. So, you know, as, as much as it pained me, because I, I, I imagine we will be selling property with purple bricks at some stage. For me, it had to be, OK, well, what I'll do is I'll contact another agent, negotiate them down as much as I can, which we did to a, to a good 1.25, which I think is is fair for the property 
And that means obviously there's zero outlay from me and we are getting the viewings done. We are, you know, everything else gets done. And of course, we'll only pay for that you know, once the property is sold. How how much importance would you place on sort of aligning um, incentives? So obviously with Purple Bricks, this model, you pay up front. So you could argue that they've got their money. Why are they going to care about selling your property? Whereas the traditional estate agent model, they don't get paid until they sell your property. So they have that that aligned incentive with you. Um, they want to sell the property as much as you do, hopefully, um, so they can get paid. Um, do, you, do you think that's important at all? Or did, did that play into your decision making at all? Or? It, it, it didn't, but I think it's a really good point. But that, that didn't play into our thinking, but it, it's conversations we've had subsequently after we made the decision, actually. But... I mean, you know, obviously you'll you'll put a lot of stock in the in the model itself. Purple Bricks is doing very well, according to a lot of figures. You know, they are taking, you know, in terms of their percentage of sales and completed sales, they're growing quite quite well, and they, and they have done for the last couple of years. So they're clearly doing something well and right, and they seem to be a professionally run outfit. My assumption would be that they have financial recompense for the estate agents that are attributed so you get you get given an estate agent an individual that will sort of manage your sale if you like and i would assume again i don't know but i would assume sort of in, in the back end that there are some you know, financial you know remunerations for people that sell them because clearly yes they're getting the money up front but if they don't push the sales through you, you know they're not going to get further sales so i think i think that exists do you think the, the incentives might be aligned um, for the individuals who are working for Purple Bricks, even if um, perhaps it's, it's not quite so aligned at a, a business level? Possibly, possibly. But you'd like to think that the business model would be geared in such a way that if they're going to put properties on, you know, if, if their model is to, to help you sell properties, that they've got some things in place, some KPIs in place to make sure that people are pushing that. The point is, and I think your point is that that's something that they've got to work against because, you know, they've got competitors now like Yopa and mm -hmm. they do have models where you don't have to pay up front. So they're now, interestingly, they're a, an, an online estate agent, but they are now taking on board some of the bricks and mortar estate agency principles in terms of fees of back. So I think it's going to be a really interesting few years and, and it'd be good to, to speak with um you know, a couple of our guests around how that's going to pan out, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I think for us, in the end, it did come down to the fact that we did need that support. And we would, we would want a company that was going to help push that through. And also, it came down to someone that wanted the business. We, you know, there was a guy that we spoke with, very nice uh, fella. And for, for Greenfield's estate agents in, in Surbiton and, um, he phoned basically on a daily basis and clearly wanted the business. And for us personally, when, when anyone sort of really puts that desire out there, we're more inclined to, to want to work with them. Yeah. I've um, sort of heard on mentioned on, on forums and things that there are estate agents who have furloughed staff and uh, despite sort of the apparent business in the market right now, have maintained furlough staff or even made staff redundant, some of the, the bigger chains, 
um, presumably leaving branches closed or or at least less staffed. In your sort of search for agents and things, did you come across any that, that were actually closed? None that were closed, but one of my tenants did work for an estate agent and she was furloughed and then made redundant. Hmm. So that has happened, yeah. So yeah, I wonder if there if there are any that are closed or if they're just running on on lower staff numbers. Yeah, don't don't know. Um, the uh, the next thing we were going to uh, interrogate you on, <laughs> and um, and you mentioned a little in the, in uh, that last section was your your flip um, project. This is your your flat in in Croydon, and. I understand you you had some news on your on, on a remortgaging effort on it, which has been a, a long story we've mentioned before. But uh, what, what's the latest on on that? Yes, the latest is uh, you know at the time of recording yesterday we had a, a valuer come round to the flat and it valued the flat at exactly what we'd put in for. So that was really good news. So yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, it's fantastic news. The there's always a a but in property, as we know, but um, but the rental, the monthly rental is lower than what we put in. So we put in for a monthly rent of fifteen hundred, and the rent's coming in at fourteen hundred a month, which then affects the products we can get because of the um, because of the rental stress testing. Yep. Which which this is so hot off the press, we, we haven't yet worked through to see what that means. But given the valuation is exactly where we want it to be, it feels like we can get you know enough out of the property. So just in terms of a quick recap, so we bought the property, actually completed on it in October 2019. We purchased it for 230 and we, we, we've spent a fair amount on it, but the revaluation is coming in at 350. So well, that's basically 50% higher. But that's because we've added value to it in terms of adding room and so on and so forth. Yep. We are flipping it. So the intention is to sell it. But yeah, as mentioned previously, we have got someone in for a three-month short-term let that is fully cognizant that we are putting it on the market. And they're happy because they just need a, a short-term fix. And you know, interesting talking about online estate agents, my sort of business partner, a JV partner on this one, he uses an account called Visium, which he pays uh, i think 90 pounds for uh, he did all the photos of the property he's putting it on right move for the short term rent and um yeah he's rented it within a week so it's possible these things are possible and i think purple bricks you know just going back to that is is a, is a good opportunity i think that people of our generation and 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 the like i think we need to get used to these alternatives i think before we fully commit certainly i do and i think yeah, the, the paying up front was just the, the, the bitterest pill to swallow, which we didn't go for. But um, yeah, so the valuation is good. The the challenge for us, really alluding to everything that we talked about, is just the market now. So the valuation is great at yeah. 350 to have a professional come in from a bank who are no doubt being conservative. And we are talking about Croydon here as well, which which is, you know, London. So greater London. Yep, definitely. I, I have repeated disagreements with the wife about whether Croydon counts as London but I think it does yeah so so do carry on (laughs) (laughs) well I I think it does but officially I don't know and so you know there there would be some concern over that and where that's heading but 
you know, to have someone come in from the bank side and, and value it where we think it is, is really good. Of course, we need now need to see if the market will agree. Yeah, indeed. That's uh, the, the, the big test, isn't it? Yes. On the rental side, you said you've got a, a tenant in there. So presumably you, you actually know what the rent is. So it, if they've come back and said the rent is, is less than what you're getting, can you challenge that at all? Or it, It's not. It's it's the same. Ah, okay. So, uh, so I think <laughs> so. You you kind of shot yourself in the foot by accepting a a rent. Well, <laughs> at, they they wouldn't have rent. known because we didn't know we had a tenant until the valuation. I mean, it literally, all happened within twenty four hours yesterday. So we we said, but it, it to be honest, it it's about right. So you fair know, enough. Yeah, and as valuers know, you know, we we target let's say yeah fifteen hundred pounds a month. And, and yeah, we're, we're trying to push that limit when we know it's probably around 1400, 1450. The truth is, and we've both myself and the JV partner agreed, actually, if we'd have put in for the higher rate, we think we could have got it. <laughs> but we, we wanted to cover the, um, the bridge payments and everything else, which is, which is now going to happen for the next three months, which is great. You know, it covers, covers the expenditure too. Yeah, indeed. Oh, well, that's, uh, all, all sounds very positive and, and good news. Um, so, of course, we can't end on a on a good news story. So, <laughs> the one last thing I thought we were going to going to bring up a little today uh, was relating to your uh, personal property purchase, which you're working on, and you've been approaching mortgage companies to get uh, uh, agreements in principle and things in in place. And I think you've you've found that your uh, wonderful bounce back loan has uh, <laughs> has resurfaced to to bite again. What, what have you? Uh, what have you found there? <laughs> I can't believe you want to make me angry for the end of the podcast. But as we said before, you know, as it's towards the end, it's only the diehard listeners. So it doesn't matter if we'll, we'll have to put this down as an explicit episode on the on the podcast, <laughs> so I can swear a bit. But yeah, the truth is, so when we've talked about mortgage holidays, bounce back loans, and and you know, you know, coronavirus business interruption loan schemes and that kind of thing. My hesitance, and I think we kind of agreed on it, was that mortgage holidays are great. And in fact, I even got advised to take one initially. Mm. Uh, a, a broker Damage. said, you know, said, oh, you know, well, if things are getting tight, why don't you take a mortgage holiday? And I said, my, I think my, no, my exact words, I can't repeat, but I said something along the lines of that will be the last thing I do. You know, I said like every penny I spend that I have will be, the mortgage will be the things that get paid. You know, everything else I'll work out, but I'll pay the mortgages because my concern, and I think a lot of people in the property industry shared it, uh, that I spoke with anyway, was that we would be, maybe not overtly, but covertly punished for taking mortgage holidays. And my fear, yeah. given what I wanted to do in terms of remortgaging and buying other properties in the next six to 12 months would be that if I took a mortgage holiday, that would come back and bite me on the bum. Is my polite way of saying it. <laughs> and, but what I did do was get the business uh, bounce back loan, sorry, got the bounce back loan to potentially cover costs. Now, the good news is I actually haven't had to use it. It's, it's sat there and it, it could cover costs and we'll, we'll probably redeploy it in other ways if we need. But it, it, it came, it came out when I was trying to get the, the remortgage on the, on the flat that we've just talked about, actually. With the initial product, we weren't able to get it because they said that we um, because we've had a bounce back loan. And now on my personal mortgage, 
although we'd submitted all of the the details and everything else and that was fine they've now come back and said we'd like to know if you know mr lorden has you know sought any government support for the business uh, you know to which i've obviously had to reply well yes i have it's a bounce back loan but what's clearly happening now is they are using this and the first bank said it this one hasn't so far but is that it's now being put up against your uh, criteria for affordability so ergo if i've had a bounce back loan maybe i can't afford a mortgage because i'm not um, able to to fulfill all of my financial commitments which i'm trying not to swear is is a real <laughs> it, well it's, it's a real stick in the eye for those of us that they're just just trying to get along and make things happen and and deploy things yeah you, you could argue yeah. that sorry that you know that bounce back loan should be used and you know and i've said to them ultimately if it's still there you, you know I'm, I'm happy to to repay that mm. if if, the, if that helps but um yeah it's harsh isn't it and presumably they're also looking at sort of the expected outgoings so the expected monthly cost during the time when you're repaying that loan uh, and as you say of course you may not actually ever reach that point because if you can pay it all back or even pay a chunk of it back because you haven't actually needed to to lean on those funds then those forecast monthly costs may never materialize mm. so, yeah so i think it, where it's yeah, being a bit harsh i mean i'm thinking it through and I'm, I'm i'm applying logic to it and i and i understand that you know from a bank's perspective it, bounce back loans had very little um procedure attached to them you know, obviously the Sybils didn't work because the banks weren't willing to re- put any risk against it. But as soon as, as soon as the government re- removed that risk, then then the then the bounce back loans got paid. And I, I guess from their point of view, you know, they know that they have to get repaid and, and who haven't been through the criteria. But then equally, you know, I have three years plus worth of accounts that shows what's coming through the business. Um, you know, I've got profitability finally in in the business you know it's it's up and down but you know we're getting there so it's it's all there as well you know three years of camp so i you know i just it's another case of i think the banks really letting us down as as investors and and as con- consumers at times yeah. when and when we want them indeed so uh i think the resounding warning is beware of bounce back loans um, although to, to bring this around to a slightly positive, uh, tip, <laughs> go on. Um, while, while you're while you have been asked about the bounce back loan and your your situation with it, they haven't actually turned down your mortgage application, have they? No, we're still waiting for the for the feedback on that. They're they're way past their SLA. I should hasten to add in terms of response, but um, hopefully we'll get the AIP. But it's uh, yeah that that thing I don't talk about until we've actually made the purchase, had the offer, and the and the the purchase is completed because I yeah I get nervous about those things but uh, yeah so so it hasn't it hasn't negatively affected us so far he says touching his head and anything in the room we're, we'll assume that it's all good then yes thank <laughs> you Simon let's 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 take that <laughs> so I think we're at uh, at the end of this episode really unless there's anything else you want to uh, finish up with Stuart no I think it's time to say goodbye fantastic in that case um, if you're still listening. Thank you very much. Please do leave us a, a review or a rating or get in touch if there's anything you'd like us to mention in a future episode. 
And other than that, you can find more details on thebusinessofproperty.com. And we will speak to you again next week. Thank you.